Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us today. We have a brand new year with a brand new series that I think will bless your life. We're going to talk about how a person must face isolation in their life. Jesus modeled it in Matthew chapter 4 and he modeled it in Mark chapter 2 in a way that I think really helps you see how easy it is for a person to get sucked into bad habits because they don't want to be alone. Jesus models something for us today that shows us how you are to approach this whole topic of of, of home training, that's what I'm calling it, where you are trained from a child how to not need the validation and the support of other people to survive. Now, I am a victim, if I'm not careful of that, in my own life, where sometimes you want people to say, that's a good sermon, that's a good message, or that was really good, or you look good today, Pastor, or you look good today, Rick. You want to feel like somebody says that. And sometimes even those closest to you can't give you enough of that. Sometimes you need to just say it to yourself. You look good, you're okay, and you learn how to trust that God's hands on your life. It's called Good Home Training. That's what this series is about. You got four parts to it. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be good for you to stay right there. And the first thing you need to learn is how to be alone. Stay there. It's going to be good. Enjoy today's message. Well, I pray you've been lifted. This is a brand new year, a chance for you to start all over again, a chance to start with a brand new view of the world, a brand new view of everything. I am excited that you're here, and I'm excited that we've had a chance to share in your life. You know, one of the things that uh, this season has taught us is how easy it is for us to take life for granted and to not see properly. Over the next several weeks, I want to take you on a journey as we talk about how a person can manage a new world. And the theme for the year is called How to Live in a New World. There's a verse in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 18, that asks a question. What do you do with new things and what do you do with old things? Some things are new. Some things have never been used before. And there are some things that are old. There are things that um, we just can't use the way we used to. They've changed. Uh, the old car doesn't run as good as it used to. As I age, by the way, I'm a little sensitive about that term because <laughs> I don't believe that I'm somebody you put out to pasture. I believe there's a lot of life and vitality and wisdom in my life that still has great value. And I know a lot of you seniors feel the same way. But there is a principle that Mark talks about in chapter 2 as we embark on this study that I think will be very helpful. So Mark chapter 2, verse 21. Let me read it for you first. It says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. Verse 22, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. New wine into new wineskins. The topic for our study uh, for the next few weeks is going to center around a thought. A thought that's drawn out of a lot of the things I've seen lately and things that concern me. First of all, let me talk about the theme for the year. Because the, I, every year I set a theme. And this theme is basically, how do you live in a new world? This is a world full of new, not old. New wineskins. I love the way that Mark says you can't ignore the new. You have to literally drop the old way you did it and pick up the new way to do it. And a lot of people have a hard time with that. And for some reason, church people have a really hard time with that. They have a difficult time. Pastors have a hard time with that. Business people. 
And there are companies that had great potential, but they could not make the switch. Kodak was an example of that. They couldn't make the switch. They thought it was about the, the literal picture, but it was about the image. And there are people who missed the internet. They missed a lot of key moments in history, all because they couldn't see the changes. And so I want you to think with me for a minute about what's new in your life and what's old. I have this thing I do, you know, um, <laughs> when I go through my socks and I throw them away because they're old, old. It doesn't work. You know, you just can't. Even some suits, some jackets, you know, it's like, okay, this is great for a minute, but then there comes a moment you you got to give it away. It's, it's just it's that the style is not there anymore. Uh, there are moments when I have struggled with that transition. I'm a suit and tie guy, and sometimes Levi's fit, and sometimes tennis shoes fit, and sometimes various things fit. At 62, you tend to say, no, I'm wearing what I'm going to wear. You ever seen somebody wear something and it's like so out of date? You just go, wow, that looks like 20 years ago. And they think they look good, but they're looking 20 years ago-ish. That's how they look, 20 years ago-ish. And I don't want to look that way. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to keep myself up, trying to stay in shape, trying to exercise, trying to do what I can just so that I don't look like I don't belong in the century. But anyway, moving on. The bottom line is the old has to be respected, but it has to also be put in its proper place. And there's a value for that. And Jesus says you can't put new wine uh, in old wineskins, which basically he's saying to them, you have to change. You have to find the next level up and move with it. You can't stay where you were. And that's what hurts, I think, marriages, businesses, life. You just won't move up. Those kids have grown now. You can't treat them like that. You have, to, you have to step up a little bit. It's new. It's a new season for you, a new time in your life. You're fighting things you didn't fight before, depression, isolation, which I'm going to talk about today. All the things that are new in your life. And so how are you dealing with all of that? Well, I want to talk about that today. And I want to talk about something that I think is really simple that will help you. It's called Good Home Training. Now, this series on good home training is something my mama used to say all the time. You need good home training, boy. And whenever she sees somebody act out or a child act out in public, she'd always say, mm-hmm, if you dealt with that at home, you wouldn't have that problem. Are you trained well? A lot of us uh, in this culture have not been. How we respond to authority, leadership, money, finances, how we see things, love, relationships, all of that sometimes doesn't go well because of poor home training. And um, we don't mean to be um, off, but we are. And so I want to take you on a journey in the book of Matthew chapter 4. And I'm going to show you what I call the new wine skin, the new wine of isolation. <laughs> there it is, the new wine of isolation. Isolation is going to be our focus today because here's what I want to tell you. Some things God can't do in your life with other people. He has to isolate you. In order for you to be where you need to be, you have to be open to change. And I want you to hear this little statement I wrote up. Here's my little private thought. Here we go. The world around us is changing. The world around us is changing. The question is, can you see beyond mental barriers and leap across your own philosophical hindrances? There are things that are changing around you. So you look at it again. The question is, can you see beyond mental barriers? There are things that, that block you. There are things that stop you from seeing. Can you see beyond those things? Can you look past the moments and thoughts in your life that didn't quite go right? Can you see beyond your own fears and insecurities? There are people who are stuck. There are barriers. Now, I have a strong belief that part of those, 
<laughs> a big number of those people are religious people. I love God with all my heart. Okay, I'm committed, Christian, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I got all that. But I believe that there's certain ways we are trained to think that work against us because we, the way we apply it. There's a word I, I used some time ago in some teaching. In a teaching, I, I talked about hermeneutics. Hermeneutic is the word that means basically the art of interpretation. It has to do with how you come to conclusions. It's your method. So you see a guy and he said these words. And so your conclusion is he's a jerk. Right. But that's your hermeneutic. That's your way of interpreting his words. The same thing can be true with the Bible. You take the Bible and you see the Bible says I can do all things through Christ. So you say I want to be a doctor. Your hermeneutic, your method of interpretation says what that, that that means you can be a doctor because the Bible said I can do all things through Christ. So therefore, if I want to be a doctor, I can be a doctor. It doesn't mean that. You may not have doctor skills or talents or passions or patience. That may not be your real ability. But our hermeneutic sometimes in Christian in our Christian environment can deceive us if we're not careful, because your method of interpreting things, the way you come to conclusions has been tainted with some naive assumptions that are not true. And I love this thing of professor John Amstutz said to me years ago when I was a freshman. He said, students, if you want to know if you're right, ask somebody that thinks you're wrong. There's something about that process of engaging, looking down at your life and saying, hmm, where am I? What is my life like? What am I doing? Do I have the mental ability to jump across to make those leaps I need to make? Or am I stuck where I am? Am I the kind of person who cannot and will not see? Now, there's a book that I, I recommended some time ago to you. I'm going to mention it again. And it's a book that talks about thinking. And basically, the book says this. It says that you have to make leaps and jumps in order to succeed. Here's what he said. This is uh, quoting from um, a book called A Whole New Mind by Daniel H. Pink. Here's what he said. The ability to make big leaps of thought is a common denominator among the originators of breakthrough ideas. Usually, this ability resides in people with very wide backgrounds, multidisciplinary minds, and a broad spectrum of experiences. Boundary crossers reject either or choices and seek multiple options and blended solutions. Now, that is how you need to think broadly. You need to be a boundary crosser, blending options, looking at things from more than one way. So if you're not careful, you go to your church, you sit in your, with your friends, you hang with your people, you work in your company, you live in your community, you hang with people who are ethnically like you. They're all black, they're all white, they're all Asian, they're all Americans, whatever. And you tend to get a very narrow perspective of the world. Everything to you is the way you see it. And that may not be true. That's just the way you see it. So the, the, real, the real challenge is to get people to broaden their view, broaden their minds. And that's why in this series, starting in Matthew chapter four, I want to I highlight four disciplines that I think you need. Four things that Jesus modeled that are good home training behaviors. And this good home training will help you in your daily life. It'll help you get along with people. It's a good way to start the year. And I want to give you these four. You ready? Now, one you already know about. Ready? Here we go. Anyone write, I'm going to put them on the screen for you. These are four abilities you're going to need if you're going to succeed. Good home training. You ready? Number one, the ability to be alone. You're going to need that ability. 
If you want to be trained well and do well in the world, you got to learn how to be by yourself. Isolation. We'll talk about that today. Secondly, the ability to prioritize. The ability to say this goes first and that goes second. Everything can't be first. Everything, I can't be on every board. I can't go everywhere. And I just see this in so many ways. And in business, you're on 18 committees, you're traveling, going, doing, you're running around the world, running around the country, you're doing everything, too many things. <laughs> and some of it doesn't even profit you at all. Um, you got 18 businesses and none of them make money. You're not really living a life that's balanced and practical. And if you're not careful, you'll miss a very powerful lesson. And that, my friend, comes with good home training. You learn the lessons of balance and so all of that. So number one, you got to learn to be alone. Number two, you got to learn how to prioritize. And you got to, number three, learn how to be wise. The ability to be wise. You need the ability to be a wise person. Make wise choices. Smart living. I have not always been smart. I have not always made smart choices. I've tried, but I did not have the tools. And that's a really important principle. Success comes in pieces, but you got to have the right pieces. You've got to have the right tools to get there, the right mentorship, the right guidance. And you have to listen long enough without talking to learn. And then here's the fourth thing we're going to talk about this month. The ability to say no. Can you say no? If you can't say no, if everything is a yes, if everything is I got to be in, I got to do, then you're not going to go far. You're not going to be able to achieve certain things because you can't say no. Now, so let me deal with the first thing I promise you we'll deal with today, which is each, each week we'll deal with one lesson. So this is what I call home training lesson one, the ability to be alone. I want to talk about just that. Matthew chapter four is where we're going to start. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says. And I want you to hear the, the incredible way this is worded. The Bible says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now think about that. 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. Now, when people read this, they focus a lot on the idea of uh, Jesus being hungry. But I want you to focus more today on the fact that he's alone. He's by himself. He's in the wilderness. He's all alone. I want you to see that. That's, That's the big part of it. The hunger part of it, I think, is misunderstood. There's not a lot explained in the text about exactly how he fasted. But all we know was he was hungry. Was he thirsty? Did he have food? And then he, because he'd had food part, part of the time, half day, I don't know. The bottom line is he fasted for 40 days. Now, let me just say something about fasting for a minute for those of us who, who are big fans of it. I have, no, I have no problem with fasting as long as we understand what it is not. Being hungry is not where the power of fasting is. Being, being hungry is not uh, going to help anybody if that's all we're talking about. I'm going to show God how disciplined I am. And one verse, and I think it's Colossians, talks about the idea of worshiping the belly, this idea of worshiping discipline and, and setting standards. Pharisees were really good at that. You know, I can go without a week without eating. I can go and I can kill, kill myself. I feel like I'm going to die, but I can make it. Okay, you, you're good. Okay, we, we're glad you're here. But, but that's not what this is about. This is about a person being led to be alone with God in, 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 a, in, a, in an isolated place where there's no cell phones, there's nothing. And there's this moment where he and God have this exchange. And that is what this is about. And so I want you to be clear. And just as a sidebar note, I've, I've had people, I know people who died from fasting. They, they didn't do it wisely, didn't seek medical advice. 
And some of you that are diabetic, some of you that have issues that you know are really difficult for you to manage without eating, you need to really talk to your doctor and make sure you're being guided in that process. It's not a job of a preacher. Let me just say this to you. One of the things that I think gets us in trouble as preachers and will get us in trouble down the road is you get out of your calling. Um, you're not a medical professional. You should not be giving medical advice. I know you believe in divine healing. That's good. I do too. I believe God touches people. Even doctors pray for people to be healed because they can't go but so far. They can't do but so much. They understand their limits. And I don't like the way we make this competition. Well, you know, we say things like, you know, well, it's not what the doctor said. It's what Jesus said. It's not what, okay, I understand. You, 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 you mean that God can help you. I, I, and I'm for that. But I'm also saying that I think there's a balance when you're facing those major decisions of not eating that you seek counsel and advice from people that can help you make it. Okay, so put that on the side for a minute and hear the bigger, bigger point. If you are going to fast, I don't know that food fasting, this is a point of observation, is the biggest and the best fast for you. For some of you, the Internet, Facebook should be what you fast. For some of you, the fasting should be uh, gossip, talking about people. So I'm not going to talk about anybody for a week. You'll be withdrawn. Some of you, oh, I just, I just, I just wanted to say one thing about the size of a head. I know you just, <laughs> you always want to talk about somebody and can't stand when somebody talk about you. You want to fight. But I want you to back up for a minute and understand that the whole idea of fasting is, is not just showing off your discipline. Not about just you modeling how strong you are. It's about you spending time with God. I always tell people, fasten your day off. If you want to fast for real, when there's no distraction and you won't rob the boss, fast then. I try to live a fasted life. I try to make sure I'm prayed up. I try to make sure I take care of myself, try to make sure that I, 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 I spend time with God that's not rushed, like a, you know, um, <laughs> like a kiss on the head and goodbye, God. You know, you read a verse and you're gone. I was teasing someone about that the other day. And I understand I, I've done that. I've been guilty of that. And I understand how easy it is for us to slide into that. But all of us have to pause and ask God, uh, Lord, how can I do more than just hold your hand for a minute? Can I just have some consecrated time? That's what fasting is about. So he's there for 40 days and he's spending this time with God and he's having this incredible moment. And that is a model for us. But notice he's alone. He's by himself. There's nobody around. And that is oftentimes the best way to grow. Now, some of us don't struggle with that. We struggle with being alone. We don't like it at all. We think it's bad. But I want you to think about what do you need to separate yourself from right now that can help you accomplish your goals? There are some things that God cannot do in your life because you're around too many people and you're around them all the time. They come to your house. They stay forever. There's never any time where you just sit with you and get to know you. But when you're alone, amazing things come to the surface. And I'm going to show you five, five things that I think were interesting. Um, and I want to say what I believe you, you learn when you're alone. There are five things I want you to notice, five things. Number one, and, 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 I, and I, if somebody said to me, so what did you learn when you were alone, Ricky Temple? What were the things that you came to understand? And there, there are five things that I learned. You ready? Number one, I learned the truth about my appetites. I learned the truth about my appetites. There were things that I didn't know I wanted until I was by myself because all of it comes to the surface. There, there, there's this amazing um, moment when you are just sitting there and, and weighing out. So where are you going to take the church? And so where are you going to take your family? And so where you gonna, what is going to happen with, you, with your marriage? And what do you really want? My appetites come to the surface. I've learned a lot when I'm by myself. Number two, I've learned that the truth about my fears comes out. 
What am I intimidated by? And these are hard things when you're by yourself. What am, what, what, what's intimidating me? Number three, I've learned the truth about the lies I have believed. There are things that I believed that I didn't really see until I was alone. And I realized that I thought about it. That's not true. That's not true about me. That, that, that's a criticism of me. That's not true. Number four, I learned the truth about people that influenced me. When I really sat down and looked at some of my friends and looked at some of the people that were talking to me, I realized, oh, my God, I shouldn't listen to that person. There's something about that whole moment in your life that kind of lifts you to a place where you see things. And some of you really are afraid of that. You're afraid of looking at your appetites, your fears. You're afraid of looking at the, the lies you've been believed. You've, you're afraid of people that have influenced you. you. You're afraid of looking and saying, you know, it's my cousin. It's my nephew. It's my, it's my, my ex. It's the man that I love or the woman I love. that get, They got me on drugs. Or they, did, they, they did this. I, I, didn't, I never thought this way until I was interacting with them. And it's tough. It's tough. But when you're alone, you have a time to put all that in perspective. Then this last one is a gift from my wife. She said something the other day that I just thought was profound. She's talking to um, um, a young child, our grandbaby, and she said, um, baby, you need to self-entertain. It's powerful. I, I, I overheard it. And the way she said it to her with such love and grace that, you know, I, I need you to play with yourself for a minute. I need you to just kind of, you know, with just you. And I, I grabbed it for me because I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love hanging with people, talking to people, calling people. <laughs> I enjoy it. I do. And I, but I've learned that sometimes you just can't do that. You got to self-entertain. Some of you single people can learn from that because you're always trying to be entertained with somebody. And sometimes God can't take you where he wants to take you because you're always with somebody and you're with the wrong people who are not really going to be able to help you. Jesus is told to go into the wilderness alone. That's what some of you are. You are alone and you're in the place you need to be. Single. On a job in a new city with nobody you know. This season for you is a place where you will grow. Now, the question is, how will you respond to this season? Are you going to allow it to frustrate you or are you going to learn from it? There's a season of financial pressure, I think, that helped me. Because when we got more money, I was a lot more clear. Okay. And so there are moments when you grow and moments when you learn. And you have to courageously look at your life and make a decision about what you want. And when you're alone, you have a chance to do that. So take advantage of this moment. Take advantage of your single years. Take advantage of your, well, Pastor Rick, hold on for a second. I got a lot of single years. I'm tired of them. I got plenty of single years. I don't think I need any more time alone. <laughs> I can tell because <laughs> you've mastered it, right? You've learned how to self-entertain. You've learned to be happy with yourself. Let me tell you a mistake you can make. You can think getting a man or a woman is going to fix that. It won't. You're not going to be fixed. My, my life's problems aren't fixed because I'm married to a wonderful woman. I love my wife. But, but I have to learn to self-entertain because she can't fill in all my gaps. Nobody, nobody's going to do that. You get somebody in your life and you try to fill in all your gaps. That's why if you're not careful when you start dating... What you do is you run to the sack and you run to everywhere they run and you hang out until you about frustrate each other because you lose you 
trying to be happy with them. Let me say it again. You lose you trying to be happy with them. Pastors do that. They lose themselves trying to be happy with the church. The church is always busy. Everybody's always busy. Everybody got to keep the calendar full. Everybody's got to go every day. Every day is a crazy day. Run, 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 run. And you, you, you know what you're afraid of? Being alone. Just sitting. Just thinking. Man. The good old word, consecration, right? Where you just set aside some time and say, this is just for thinking. I have days when I have nothing on the schedule. I have what I call nothing days. No, no schedule days. Nothing. Nothing on the calendar. You mean a whole day. I, I get up and I have no place to be, no place to go, nothing to do. And I've learned the value of that, not just for one day, but for several days. So we have been trained that busy means you're successful, and it doesn't. I asked a person one time, I said, are you, are you, are you lazy? They said, no. I said, how do you know? They said, because I'm busy. I said, maybe you're busy doing easy stuff. Busy doing things that make you feel comfortable. If you're not careful, we all fall victim to that. I, I am almost, and I, there's a book I just love. Oh, I love it. I read it. It's a great book. It's called Dying for a Paycheck. Mm, that's, a, that's a good book. Every boss should read it. Everybody that's a boss should read that book, and anybody that's an employee. It talks about people who die, the number of people who die a year, simply because of suicide from, their, from the pressures from work. Japan has high rates for it. They even got a name for it. They got, there's all kinds of things that people do because they're exhausted. We live this exhausted life. Everything is tiring and frustrating. And, and we fear, it seems like more than anything, stopping and being just alone. Just me and you and God. But why don't you take a courageous turn? Let me give you some, some challenges. Five things that we must do if we want to survive being alone, if we want to manage being alone. Here's what you do. Ready? Number one, we must, we must, be, we must be courageous enough to stand alone. You know, courage is doing what's scary. Courage is not doing what you are comfortable with. You must be courageous enough to stand alone. Number two, you must be courageous enough to create a new way. Create a new way to make money. Create a new way to advance. Create a new way to do church. Create a new way. Don't get stuck in one way. One of the interesting things that was said uh, by, um, uh, I think, known as her name. I think that's her name from Facebook. And she was describing what churches are doing. She's the new church representative for Facebook. And she said that churches, the, the, the mistake churches make in this new digital age, in this new digital format, is they try to do church the same way they did in the building. They don't consider doing it another way. You're going to watch us evolve. And over the next several months, you're going to see the way we do this, the way we talk to you, the way we commune with you, it's going to be different. And it's okay. You don't have to do it the same way you've always done it. You can change it up. And sometimes we, we, we run from creating a new way, a new way to be married, a new way to manage the children. For some of you, your children are better homeschooled. For some of you, you saw a major improvement. Not all of you. I'm not talking to you if it wasn't you. But for those of you who saw it, you need to consider that as an option. You need to consider working from home because it worked better for your family schedule. You saw the danger of doing it the old way. Create a new way. Why not? Change jobs, change careers. Why can't you try a new way? Ooh, boy, I'll tell you, churches, you're screaming right now, aren't you? Ah, you talking about something new. Ah, stop it. You're not going to die. You know, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. That's God, not you. 
Yeah, the Bible says that, but that's not, God doesn't change. But, but if you watch what he does, he's got all kinds of new ways to do everything. Whew, man, think about that. Number three, you ready? We must be courageous enough to embrace isolation with a good attitude. Good attitude. Big word. Being alone is one thing, but being alone with a bad attitude, I can't stand this pandemic. I can't stand these problems. I can't wait till I get out of this. I can't wait. Okay. First of all, I understand the frustration. I get it. I, I get it. That if you're watching this past the pandemic, God bless you, you made it through. But those of us that are swimming through it right now, I'm telling you, there are moments when you're sitting there by yourself, you say, man, I want to go to the restaurant. I want to go back into the movies. I want to go do something else. And some of you, you're going anywhere. You don't care about no pandemic. Or, excuse me. You don't care about a pandemic or anything. You're just going in there. And I'm not trying to get you restaurant owners. You're going to start turning me off. Now, I love you. Okay. But I'm telling you, uh, ooh, boy, wow. You need to make decisions tied to where you want to be. Because we as a society can't, we tend not to do well. So, um, it, it, but, but all that you work out. I, you, you make your own decisions. I've made mine. I'm, I'm going to stay away from all that for a minute and just kind of give myself a chance. I, I go get it to go, and I, I, but I don't, I just, that, not just me. What's my name? Ricky Temple. I got it. Okay. No. Are you afraid? Uh, yes. I, I have respect. Wise fear. Wise fear. What's wise fear, Ricky Temple? Snakes coming at me. I see him coming. Wise fear says back up. Okay, lions roaring at me. Wise fear says leave him alone. Alligator sitting in the water and he is licking his chops. And uh, I decided I don't want to go look at him. I just give him his space. They can run fast, you know, on the land. So, I mean, wise. Yeah, you're afraid. Yeah, what am I afraid of? He'll bite me and have lunch with my hands and feet. I would rather not. That sounds terrible, I know. But the point is, some of you act like God didn't want you to be afraid of anything. He said you need to fear me. He said that, you know, you need to be afraid of me. I'll get you if you don't do what I say. So there is a ground in grounds in the Bible for you to be f- afraid of some things. And it doesn't mean you don't have faith. It means you're using wisdom. And so just 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 for those of you who need to have the little conversation with me, OK, but but I believe God's going to get us through everything. I believe we're going to all be fine. And the big point I want to make is if you are at home and if you are isolating, if you're going through a challenge right now, don't have a bad attitude. If it's a season when you need to be alone, then don't don't be a single with a bad attitude. If you if you are in a, in a department where you're working alone, don't have a bad attitude. Here we go. Number four, we must be courageous enough to admit what we learn when we are alone. When you are learn, alone and you learn something, admit it. I didn't know that. Just admit it. I didn't know that. And then number, number five, we must be courageous enough to declare what God promised. Now, this is what God promised. Here's what he said. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six. Now, some of you only know this is a New Testament verse, but here's what it says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that same thing is said in Hebrews 13, 5. In Hebrews 13, 5, you only heard the part, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But it's drawn from Deuteronomy chapter 31, the latter part of the, the end of the book. He's at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, talking to the second generation of Israel. And he says, guys, listen, God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. Or he can tell, wait a minute, didn't you say I shouldn't be afraid? God, this verse says, don't be afraid. Yeah, I understand. 
Yeah, right. I agree. God's going to give us, get us through it. But I don't need to take unnecessary risk, which I'll talk about next week. I don't need to take chances that, that he didn't tell me to take. I need to learn how to be alone and be wise, wait my turn, work forward, have a good attitude and trust God. I need to be courageous. Whew, man, that's good home training. Good home training. You ever seen a kid sit there, doctor's office? Doing a little work, good home training. Taught how to sit there by himself. Taught how to isolate, how to self-entertain. Some of you need to do that. Stop looking for a pastor, a church service, a convention, a conference, a, a title, a promotion, a certain amount of money, fame, or anything else to make you happy. All those things will not make you happy. Not one in and of itself. There are wonderful things to have, but they don't make you happy alone. And so I need you to pause for just a minute in your life and ask yourself a question. How do I manage isolation? How do I manage being alone when the new wine skin of isolation comes along? The new wine of being alone. That's my new wine. That's the new thing in my life right now. I have spent a lot more time alone. And some of you felt that when your kids left home. Man, that's a real deal. When your kids leave home. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah, it's, it's be, one, of my, one of my good members made a comment. He said, I asked him, Leroy Bolden, he know what he told me? I said, Leroy, what's it like when the kids leave home? He said, the best thing I've ever heard said. And, and if he's watching, he feels famous right about now. Here's what Leroy told me. He said, it's like taking the hose, pushing it up against the house, and sucking all the energy out. And now you and your wife have got to find a new way to relate and interact because it's all different. But let me tell you something. You get you a new hose, plug it up to the other side of your house and, 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 and allow new energy to flow into your home, flow into your life. Allow God to lift you to a new place, to give you a new opportunity to think a new thought, lift your joy, lift yourself up. Watch God do something amazing in your life. We got a lot to talk about. Good home training. It's part one. Part two is coming up. I'm going to talk about priorities next time. I want to talk about how important it is for you to have the right priorities because sometimes that's the problem. The problem is your thinking is wrong. Your thinking is wrong. You don't see that your priorities have gotten off. Good home training, boy, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to you hang with me. It's going to be great. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be with your people today. I pray what we've talked about has helped them, lifted them, and given them a clear vision. May they leave this conversation saying, I heard God today. I heard what God said to me. I'm clear. I'm not confused. And I'm going to begin to pause and embrace being alone. Embrace the moments when I'm just with me and God and my thoughts and my life. And whatever didn't work out in my life, I will not allow it to press me down. I will not allow myself to be filled with condemnation for the past. I can't go back and change what I was. And let me just pause to pray and say this to you. For some of you, the reason you don't like being alone, because all your thoughts come back to you. The mistakes you've made, what you didn't do right. Well, here's what I, here's what I tell myself. Ricky Temple, you could not save more money back then because you didn't think that way. Now you do. Save it now. Ricky Temple, you couldn't be different because you were not different back then. But now you know. Now you're wiser. Don't spend your life looking back. Look forward. Let it go. You are where you are. You've learned your lessons. You've made mistakes. You're better for it. Learn now and be wise. So, Lord, I declare that over their lives and their minds. 
and I declare peace and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I've enjoyed being with you today. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. If it's your first time with us, we're so glad you came. I want to thank you for being with us. And I want to also say to all of you who are just with us all the time, you're incredible. You're supporters. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for what you've done. You've been incredible all these years. You've been so faithful. But I almost forgot. I can't forget one thing. One thing's really important because some of you, for the first time, you have said, you know, I, Pastor, pray for me. My walk with God is, is really not where it needs to be. Why don't we just pause everything before we leave and let's pray for you. Because this could be the moment when you alone, by yourself, in your house, wherever you are, listening to this tape, you can say, you know, I need God in my life. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those today who've gathered and who are struggling, striving to change their lives alone. Let them join with you and let them say, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. And let this be the new day, the day that my life changes forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that helped you today. I hope you learned how to be by yourself. I was raised an only child, so I've learned the power of being alone. But even now, I have to tell myself, come on, Temple, self-entertain. Back up the train. Stop trying to wait for somebody else to fill up your day. Sometimes you just have to manage it on your own. So you stay right there today. It's going to be amazing, 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 amazing. When you trust God and you allow him to be a part of your life and you allow his grace to work in your life, it's amazing how much you can do by yourself. So keep going. God's faithful and he'll give you strength. Let's pray. Father, give them strength today. May they learn from today's lesson how they too can function alone in a wilderness moment by themselves. Even when their appetites are, are strong and they're hungry, they can still make good choices. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Bye-bye. I'll see you next time. You have a great day. Bye-bye.